Hello and welcome to another episode of Words With Myself. It's not easy to be honest. And honest is not just simply a case of not telling lies. However, true honesty is also about being open, about being forthright. You may get asked a question and you may not lie, but that doesn't mean you are honest in your response. You may say something that's true. You may say, it was a lovely meal, I really enjoyed my time with you. But meanwhile, you're omitting the fact that the food was terrible. And even though they cooked and you appreciated it, you didn't like it. So there are all of these ways that we circumvent lying, but maintain a stance that is less than truthful, where we omit certain information, or we phrase the truth in a way that conceals a deeper understanding of us. And we do this all the time in our lives. There are ways that we conceal parts of ourselves so that the world will not cotton on to who we are. Unfortunately, many of us go about our lives hiding almost 50% of ourselves, maybe more. We spend a lot of time concealing what makes us happy, what makes us sad, what makes us angry. We become callous and defensive and we refuse to volunteer information because a lot of the time that information can get used against us. If we were open about our weaknesses, people can take advantage of that. And in a lot of environments, people will, whether that's at your workplace or whether that's your social life or whether it's in your relationships. I know lots of people that have been in very close intimate relationships with their partner and confided in them deep painful truths and only later for that to be used against them when they separate. And when this kind of betrayal happens, when someone you love or loved does something like that with information that you shared that they knew was the way to hurt you and they chose to stab you right where it hurts and leverage what you gave out of love and use it for their hate. That kind of betrayal can lead someone to never telling someone something again, of always hiding, of always keeping their cards close to their chest. And we can get stuck like this because I remember incidents where I would tell someone something at school and then they would spread rumours around when I was younger. And even that, I learned from very early on that I couldn't trust people. You know, if I, if I told someone something and they said they weren't going to tell anyone, that that wasn't true, that it didn't matter how much it meant to me, people would use that against me. And you end up trapped in some way. You take that trauma and you translate that into a defense mechanism, which becomes, I'm not going to tell anyone anything. I'm going to keep my claws close to my chest. I'm not going to tell people how I feel or what's going on or anything because people will use that to manipulate me. So what becomes something that you give out of love because you want to trust people. You want to believe that the people in your life have your best interests in heart and you want to share things and share parts of you with people that you love. It's only natural. And it doesn't even really have to be a direct betrayal. Someone doesn't have to do something to betray your trust. It can just be a case of, let's say you have a hobby that is unique or you know maybe less common, or maybe you want to do something 
outside of a tradition or a norm. It could be something as simple as you want to sing. And then, you know, when you're a young boy and you're going to school and you say, oh, I want to sing. And then everyone teases you for it. And then you learn that sharing parts of yourself or having certain modalities of, of ways of living, hobbies and interests, or maybe you like a certain type of thing or a certain type of person or whatever it is, you learn that some things are okay socially and some things are not okay socially. So most people will tend to conform and they end up towing this line, this line of common acceptance. And that is where life tends to become somewhat of a fashion show, where what is acceptable is what is in season, because norms change. What is commonplace changes. What is popular now won't be popular tomorrow. For instance, if I said I was going to the roller disco now, people would look at me like, oh, that's weird. You know, why are you going there? Or where is even a roller disco? Is that even a thing? But in the 70s, that would have been commonplace. You know, everyone was going roller disco. But things come in and out of fashion, and what is acceptable comes in and out of fashion. To use certain phrases, certain terms, to speak in a certain way, all of it comes in and out of fashion. And you end up learning and trying to keep up with this ever-changing, ever-moving social commonplace, where if you step outside of that, if you decide to not walk on the line, if you decide to go outside of what is considered normal and acceptable, then you are shunned. You are rejected socially. And people end up getting trapped in this form of cognitive dissonance inside where they are trapped between what they know is true and what they are telling people or what they are living as. So what happens is people form masks and they end up shying away from who they really are in order to create this socially digestible form of themselves where all of those weird and wonderful things that they actually think or believe or want to experience or those strange curiosities those all get repressed or hidden or they can only be expressed in when they're alone and any time they're with friends or family or whatever they end up living a completely different life. And this life becomes initially the mask, but sooner or later, they don't know what's behind the mask. That gets forgotten. And the fake actually takes the place of the individual. They become the identity that they are faking. But the truth still lies at the surface. But what you are left with is a person who is truly disconnected from themselves. They end up feeling unhappy, but they don't know why. They end up depressed and feeling like they don't want to live anymore. Because it's not them that doesn't want to live. It's the character that you've created. That character that you've created and built up into this thing this person that you have mashed all these experiences together and slapped a few labels on it and then called it I, that person is the thing that you want to kill. Not the physical, not the true, but the lie, the mask. And to set yourself free from that requires 
tapping into that deep truth, those things that you have locked away about yourself, all of those times where you felt something but you told yourself not to feel it, or that you buried how you truly felt and didn't voice it, all of those times that you let yourself down by not speaking your truth or saying what you really meant or doing what you really felt like doing, all of those times compress over time. And sooner or later, that true self gets buried so deep that we lose sight of ourselves. We lose sight of who we are. And for many, if not all of us, that's what the spiritual journey is. It's about walking the path, not forward, not to something, but back to ourselves, back to who we really are, back to who we were before we were taught who we should be, that person. Before we were moulded and shaped by everyone and everything around us, we were someone. We had our idea and our ideals and our principles and our thoughts. We had our wants and needs and desires. We had all of this stuff that we wanted all of this potential. And then sooner or later, we you know, went to school, we were taught by school who to be and we went to work and we were out in socially and we had friends and we had parents and all of this stuff that crafted us into this specific person, this specific version of who we are. And we say, that's, that's me. I'm that person. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. And then you could say, well, where do you get your morals from? Where do they come from? And you say, well, you know, I was taught them by my parents and my religion and society. That's where you get your idea of right and wrong from. And depending on where you are in the world, your sense of those hard rights and those hard wrongs will be different. Just as there will be some things that are the same, there will be things that are different. People will have their own idea of what right and wrong truly means to them and how it's been taught to them. But when they act out of these principles and they say, this is what I believe, these are my values, often it isn't. It's something that they've been given and taught. And the reason that they believe it so strongly is because someone they care about told it to them. It could be their guru or their religious leader or their family, their parents or their brothers, loved ones, whoever. Someone that they looked up to and respected told them, this is the way. And sooner or later, we accumulate more and more of these people that we look up to that tell us this is the way. And we end up having this view that is distorted by the lenses of other people, where we're trying to kind of formulate a straight line through all of these different opinions of other people and kind of merge it into a common middle. We end up keeping a sort of voting system in our head where more people say that something is right than wrong, then we'll err with the side that has the majority vote. And this can get sticky because we end up looking constantly for more validation of what we know, more validation, more people to add to that voting system rather than inquiring inside, of inquiring with our truth, of seeing how we feel, of thinking something through for ourselves, we end up instead polling the people that we look to for information that could be the news or people we respect, our family, friends, again, or whoever. Wherever we're looking to validate a certain opinion or justify why we should or should not do something, 
this system is just as prone to mistakes and getting things wrong as, you know, inquiring within, as doing as we feel is right. We are just as likely to get something wrong by going on our own path as we are walking on this path that is socially acceptable. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like, you know, walking our own path is the path of danger. But, you know, if everyone's going this way, it must be safe. But really, it's not the case. Like, doing what you feel best and making your own decisions is ultimately where safety lies. Because you can walk that path that everyone else is walking, but it's not the destination you want to go to. So you're going to end up walking the same way everyone else is walking to. And that feels comfortable because you're walking with others. But ultimately, it's not going to take you where you want to go. You're just going to go on a long journey to nowhere. But you are a unique human. You have your own interests, your own soul, your own purpose, your own reason for being here. You have this whole beautiful side of you that you are sheltering from the world. And that thing is what the world needs. The world needs more of you, more of your colour. It doesn't need more of other people because it already has other people. It already has people to do the things that they want to do. But you, you are here to be you and nobody else. So you're only going to be you and be able to step into being you if you are walking your path and being true to you, being honest with yourself and letting yourself be unique and weird and creative and do all of the things that you want to do. It doesn't matter that it doesn't align with other people's vision of what life should be or what is good. It's your definition of what's good. And if you want your life to be good, that's not going to be found in someone else's definition of a good life. That is to be found in being as you as you can be. Thank you for listening.